Let him pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning as we come before your holy word. We pray that your word will minister to us in simplicity and in clarity of speech. We thank you that this morning you will minister to us. Thank you that your word has the power to bless, encourage, instruct, direct us, and correct us. We, we open ourselves up to the wonder-working power of your word this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Mr. Afor, please check your chat. I did send you a message. Thanks. All right. Second Kings chapter 7, verse 1 to 4. Second Kings chapter 7, verse 1 to 4. I'm reading. Then Elisha said, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord. Tomorrow about this time, a seer of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel, and two seers of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. That's a very important word to note. At the gate of Samaria, verse 2. So an officer on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Look, if the Lord will make windows in heaven, could this thing be? And he that is Elisha, in response to the officer, the king's officer's remark, responded. In fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat it. This morning, I'm ministering on what I call, I believe in prophecy. I believe in prophecy. Say it to yourself. Don't even say it loud, but say it to yourself, I believe in prophecy. I believe in prophecy. Amen. Well, Monday will be the start of week 37. And when we enter into week 37, it simply means we have 15 more weeks and 2023 is over. It goes by quick. I'm preaching this message because I believe that the Lord wants me to talk to you that don't look at time. Don't look at your condition. And don't allow your limited understanding to place limits on what God can do, especially if God is speaking to you and me through prophecy. Now, if you do remember, I said that the word that was important here was at the gate of Samaria. 
it's important for us to note that because if you read 2 Kings chapter 6, it lets us know that Samaria was in a great famine. And why were they in a great famine? They were in a great famine because Syria had besieged Samaria. And the famine had got so bad. In fact, when you read 2 Kings chapter 6, it gives a bit of a graphic detail of how bad the famine was. They were eating donkey head. Have you eaten donkey head before? They were selling donkey head. There's no food. It's no food. Donkey head. They were eating dove droppings. A Sunday, so let me just say it in a very nice way. Dove droppings. If you don't understand it, just Google search it. Dove droppings were being sold as food. It got so bad that the humans of Samaria started to eat one another. They, they became cannibals. I mean, I try to follow current events as much as I can, but I have never seen hunger got so bad to a point that people will start to eat themselves because there is no food. That is how bad it got. It got so bad that the leadership structure or the government council of Samaria became very helpless. These people became discontented. They became miserable. They became impoverished as a result of the famine. It got so bad that even the king, before he sees any of his subjects, he said, look, if the Lord doesn't help you, who am I? They were very hopeless. The king had no solution. It was a very hopeless situation. And in every country, most times we look to leadership for solution. We look to leadership to give us hope, to inspire us. The leaders could not give hope. They could not give inspiration. It was bad. There was famine. These people had been reduced from human beings to animal. That was how bad it was. That the king decided to send like, okay, since there is no hope, the legislative council is not giving me hope, executive council is not giving me hope, the judiciary system is not giving me hope, let me just go to a man of God. It's so funny. Sometimes that God is always the last resort. When everything else seems to fail, then we count on God. Because Elisha, who was a prophet, was a representative of God. So when the king sends his messengers to go seek for the man of God, so that we can experience divine counsel. It's symbolic that go to God. Just six days ago, we commemorated 22 years of a very dark episode in American history. It happened on a Tuesday. Wednesday night, it was groundbreaking. And probably, maybe it might happen again. Let's believe God. But it was said that on that Wednesday night, every religious center was full. 
the mosque were full of Muslims who were praying. The churches that meet on midweek services, because traditionally speaking, one of the services that people don't attend are midweek services. But on a Wednesday, after that grim and dark episode, churches were full. It's always like that. When, when systems fail, when humans that you trust can't give answers, when leadership that you look up to for inspiration, when, when they fall short of that, everybody turns to God. It's so funny that even now in this digital age where now Bible seems to be on smartphones and things like that, when the pandemic happened, the early stages of the pandemic in March, it was said that two things got finished quickly, the Bible and then toilet rules. It's always like that. We always have to come to our wit's end before we come to seek for God. But the situation, like I said, in Samaria, it got so bad that they had to seek God. And Elisha heard from God, and he sent a message to the king's servants that go and declare what the Lord is saying about this situation. Tomorrow about this time, 24 hours, I know, yeah, you are feasting on donkey head. You guys have become cannibals eating one another. You are, you are serving dove droppings. But I came to prophesy to you that tomorrow about this time, today is Sunday, Monday about this time, Elijah gave, Elisha gave a 24-hour turnaround prophecy. Tomorrow about this time, you are eating dove droppings. Tomorrow about this time, cannibalism will cease. Tomorrow about this time, farming will cease. Why? Because as the Lord has said, a seer of fine flour will be sold for a shekel and two seers of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria the place where it has become the center of famine shall become the center of abundance. It shall become the center of satisfaction. Tomorrow about this time, the place that has become the place of weeping will become the place of feasting. Tomorrow about this time. That was the news. And who will believe it? Because when you've been in a very dark condition to the point that you see no existence for living, sometimes it becomes very difficult to believe in God. And then the Bible lets us know that the king's officer, he said, look, if the Lord even makes windows in heaven, this thing, it cannot be because the situation was bad. But Elisha said, in fact, I tell you the truth, you will see this prophecy happen tomorrow about this time with your eyes. 
but you shall not eat or taste of the abundance that the Lord will bring. And that's the premise of this message. Listen to me. Don't let the severity of any condition make you doubt God's promises or his prophecies over your life. Don't come to that situation. Because in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 20, the Bible instructs us not to despise prophecies. Do not despise prophecies. I don't care how bad your situation may be. You may have not enjoyed the past nine months of 2023. But God has a fresh word of hope for you that tomorrow about this time, things can change. And because maybe you have been in a prolonged season of frustration, a prolonged season of misery, a prolonged season of so much discomfort, it is very possible that you can doubt tomorrow about this time, things can change. But I hereby declare to you the word of the Lord this morning that tomorrow about this time, things can change. You may have struggled with money the whole of nine months. You've not been able to save a penny. But tomorrow about this time, God can change your story. You may have cried for the past nine months. For the past nine months, you can't count a day whereby you have gone to bed with dry eyes. But the Lord is saying, tomorrow about this time, you will sleep for the first time in 2023 without tears in your eyes. You will sleep on your bed and you will sleep contented, satisfied, and fulfilled tomorrow about this time. We serve God. And don't allow the severity of your condition and don't look at the calendar, don't look at the clockwork to determine what God can do because your understanding is very finite and very limited. It takes me back to a conversation I had with my mother this year. I, I visited her. And we're in the house, we were chatting. And we're talking about a situation. And I was telling her that I got so frustrated one day that I prayed a certain prayer to the Lord. And it was a prayer out of desperation. And I told my mother that immediately I prayed that prayer. I heard the Lord speak to me that, why are you allowing your understanding to limit my power. That word hits me so strong that I drop on my knees and I confess that I'm sorry. I have made you too small in my eyes, Lord. Forgive me. That, that, that's the only thing that could come out of my mouth. And even though I am walking in expectation and in hope of the promise, I am not going to make God too small in my eyes. I will not reduce him 
to the level of my understanding. And I was telling my mom that just that encounter alone lets me know that a time will come I will walk in the manifestation of that promise. Don't despise prophecies. How do we despise prophecies? There are many ways by which you can despise prophecy. But in the context of this scripture, one of the strongest ways we can despise prophecy is not to believe it. Unbelief. The word of the Lord has come, and then the king officer is just deriding the prophets. Oh, look, <laughs> even if God should make windows from heaven, this cannot happen. And when Elisha was prophesying, he wasn't prophesying that this will happen in somewhere. It will happen in Samaria, the same place the Syrians have besieged, the same place where you have dove droppings for dinner, the same place where you are having a donkey head for dinner, the same place where humans have turned into cannibals, the same place tomorrow God is going to visit that place with abundance. Believe it. And that's the word of the Lord. So don't despise prophecy. Say to yourself, I believe in prophecy. Now, what is prophecy? 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19 to 21. I want to give the very simplistic definition of prophecy. And 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19 to 21 will help us. Let me read this in King James. I normally read from New King James, but let me read this in King James. We also have a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn, and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. So the scripture that we just read is telling us that we have a sure word of prophecy, and the sure word of prophecy is the word of God. The Bible is a sure word of prophecy. So whenever you take the Bible to read, you are reading a sure word of prophecy. It's the basis, is the central theme upon which every prophecy hangs upon, the Bible. So if you want to understand what the prophetic is, if you want to understand the nature of prophecy, the Bible itself is prophetic. Read on. Verse 21, for prophecy came not in old time by the will of God, but holy men of God speak as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So now, back to my um, um, question. What is prophecy? Prophecy is speaking under divine inspiration. When you are not moved by your senses, when you are not moved by Logic, 
When you are not moved to say something out of your own volition and you say it per the will of God, that is prophecy. So prophecy is speaking under divine inspiration. So what Elisha said, he didn't say it because of logic. Because logic will not let you say that. You can easily become a national embarrassment if you say that. Have you seen the severity of famine? Have you seen the standard of living of the Sumerians? How dare you come and give such an empty promise that tomorrow about this time? It's not logic. It's not analysis. Because a situation like this, when you analyze it, you can experience what the economists will call the paralysis of analysis. You will be paralyzed. And that's what happened to the king. The, the king couldn't analyze the thing. There was no hope. It's a hopeless situation. But Elisha was able to say what he said boldly because it was by the will of God. So prophecy is speaking under divine inspiration. And there are many ways by which God will give prophecy. But most times, generally, God will give a prophecy through a man of God. Through a man of God. Yes, he does give prophecy through your personal interactions or your private moments with him. But generally, he gives prophecy through men of God. So now, how should we handle prophecy? If God is going to give prophetic utterances, we have to believe it. We have to believe it. Belief is a turn-on. It's an activator of the prophetic word of God coming to pass. Unbelief is a turn-off. Some of us may have experienced many prophetic utterances and they may have not happened due to unbelief. And when you walk in unbelief, you are despising prophecy. And what you despise, you will never attract. Believe. Believe. You have to come to a place of belief. Belief simply means that I have childlike obedience, childlike faith. That what God has said, he is able to do and he will bring it to pass. The second thing that I want to talk about is test it. Test it. And for this, let's read 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. First John chapter 4, verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So one, believe it is the word of God, but number two, Test it. In as much that we need to mix faith with the word of God, mix faith 
with any prophetic utterance that God may give through a man of God or through your personal interactive moments with God, don't be naive and don't be gullible. You also have to err on the side of caution. Test. And how do you test? Any prophecy that you receive, make sure that you have to look into the scriptures to find out whether there is a correlation. There's no correlation. It's not prophetic. That's why we read 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19. For we have this sure word of prophecy. The Bible. That is the basis of every prophecy. So anything that is deemed prophecy always has to be checked with the Bible. If, if it has no semblance with what is written here from Genesis to Revelation, discard it. It's not prophecy. So we test prophecies by the word of God. And that's why as a believer, it is very important to know the word of God. Many believers have walked in error thinking that they have received prophecy, but they have received error, lies, and deception. Inasmuch as the spirit of the prophet is at work in Christ, I also want you to know that the spirit of the false prophet is also at work. So test it. Test it. Don't come to a hasty conclusion, but test it. Believe it, test it. The third thing I want to talk about is prayer. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 18. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. Timothy had many heavy promises on his life, but he was a timid man. He was timid, he was shy, and thank God for a Paul who launched out Timothy for him to express every gifting and every calling on his life. If we will want to come to a place where we want to see the prophetic word of God or whatever that God has promised to come to pass, bathe yourself in prayer, especially that prophetic word. It's not just going to happen. The devil fights prophecy because Jesus came by prophecy. So whenever you prophesy or whenever you receive a prophecy, it reminds the devil of the pathway through the Savior King. And he's going to fight it tooth and nail. You have to be a man of prayer. Every prophecy you have received this year, every unfulfilled prophecy in the past years, this morning, Take all those prophecies and wage a good warfare by standing in prayer, seeing to it that what God has said 
should come to pass. And the last thing I want to talk about is faith. Faith. So number one, believe it. Number two, test it so that you don't become gullible and take any kind of prophecy. Meanwhile, it is error. Number three, prayer. And number four, faith. 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 5 to 11. Second Kings chapter 7, verse 5 to 11. Now, when Elisha had given the prophetic word, that he believed God had deposited in his spirit for the people of Samaria. I want you to notice a very unusual group, how they responded to the prophecy. So let me start from verse 3. Now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate. They said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? Look, there is famine. We have nothing to lose anyway. And you sit here, we will die. And if we also enter into the city that the Syrians have besieged, famine is also in the city, we shall die there. If we sit here too, we will die. I like the prospect. They really analyze the situation. All die, be die. Wherever we sit, we will die. If we sit where we are sitting, outside the city, we will die. If we go into the city too, we will die. And if we sit here too, we are going to die. So let us go and surrender ourselves to the army of the Syrians. Because, you know, when the Syrians came and when they took over Samaria, they had all the food. They had all the money. They had all the wealth. At the expense of the hardworking Samarians. And the leprous people are saying, look, Wherever we sit, we will die. In our condition, we will die. If we go into the city where the uh, Samarians are, we will also die. If we sit in our condition without doing anything, we will die. So let us go to the, some, uh, the Syrians who have taken our city, who have taken all the plentiful resources and all the booty. And if we die, we die. So they rose at twilight, verse 5, to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they came to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. Can you believe that sometimes the things that you are afraid of might not even exist? The people took a risk. And when they went there, no one was there. Why? Because verse 6, for the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots, the noise of horses, the noise of a great army. So they said to one another, look, the king of Israel has hired people against us to attack us. So the Bible said that while these four leprous men took steps of faith to go into the camp of the Syrians, the Bible lets us know that the Syrians had the footsteps like chariots, like war horses, and they said to themselves, wow, Israel, they have gone 
and form allies with other nations to attack us. So the Syrians left. And the Bible lets us know that they went to the camp, verse 7. And when they went, everything was intact. Their tents, their horses, their donkeys, because they had fled for their lives. And these lepers came to the outskirts of the camp. They went into one tent, ate and drank, carried some silver, gold, and clothing, went and hid it, and they came back and entered another tent and carried some, went and they were just having fun. They were going from tents to tents, eating, having gold and silver. They were just having fun. Then one of them said to one another, what we are doing is not right. This is a day of good news, and we remain silent. If we wait until morning light, some punishments can happen unto us. So come therefore and let's go and tell the king's household. It's a day of jubilee. We can't just hoard the blessing. Let us go and tell the king this so that we can all celebrate because there is jubilee. Verse 10. So they went and called to the gatekeepers of the city and told them saying, we went to the Syrian camp and surprisingly no one was there, not a human sound, only horses, donkeys tied and tents and intacts. And the gatekeepers called out and they told it to the king's household inside. The short of the matter is the prophetic word of promise prophesied by Elisha came to pass. In 24 hours, Samaria, that was home of crime, home of wailing, home of death, home of famine, home of discomfort, in 24 hours, it turned into a home of jubilation. It turned into a home of abundance. It turned into a place where they experienced a mighty, mighty provision. Why? Because the four lepers who had the word of prophecy decided to take faith action steps. Faith. The evidence of your faith is the action. For some of us, we may have been stuck in this past nine months because we have not married action to our belief. It's not just enough to believe it. You also have to marry action to your beliefs. That is real faith. So how should we handle prophecy? We should believe it. We should test it. We should pray. And we should have faith. We should put practical, applicable steps to the command that we have received from God. Please believe in what God has declared in past months or will declare in the coming days ahead. Stay in faith. Fight the good fight of faith to see your joy full. And for our joy to be full, it is God's good pleasure that every prophecy that he has uttered will be manifested. I pray that may you enter into the manifestation of every prophetic promise that God has given to you. Do you know the certain of this story? The king's officer, if you read 2 Kings chapter 7 further, he saw the abundance, but he never ate it. Because when he wanted to partake, the Bible lets us know that they tramped upon him and they killed him. 
He saw the abundance, but he never touched it. Don't zero out the prophecy of God irrespective of what you are going through because of unbelief, because it can kill you. So in the next 15 weeks, before we end 2023, I want you to come to a place of full belief and full that what God has said is going to happen. Thank you, Lord. Let's sing that. Be magnified. Yes. Be magnified. Heal my heart and show yourself strong. Let's repent today through the words of the song. Don't make God Don't limit God. But say to your heart, yourselves and in your hearts, Lord, be magnified. Be magnified. Let's sing the song together. Sing it with us. Be magnified. Be magnified. Believe God. Believe in prophecy. Don't doubt God. Don't zero out. Don't cancel out God's promises because of your own. Don't zero out God's promises because of your own. Don't zero out God's promises because you are looking at the clock. Who told you God was your time? He works in this time, not in your time. Be magnified in my finances. Be magnified in my workplace. Be magnified in my marriage. God is able to turn things 24 hours. Don't let your unbelief cancel out. Let's out God's prophecy. Right now in this place, be magnified, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord.
believe God. I believe in prophecy. I believe in prophecy. Prophecy makes the impossible possible. Sometimes God intercepts the course of human nature with the prophecy. Believe in prophecy. Raise up your hope again. Believe in prophecy. Because what God has said, it can manifest and it can happen. Just believe it. Father, I've delivered your word to your people. Thank you, O Lord. We will not allow the clock or the calendar of the year to limit what you can do. Or we repent from using our finite mind to reduce you to our perception. Lord, this morning we say, be magnified. We will not allow how perpetual the unfavorable conditions have been to limit your mighty hand. Oh Lord, may we not restrict your mighty hand. May we not restrict your power. But Father, today, we marry everywhere that we have received with faith that it will profit us. Thank you, O oh Lord, for ministering to your sins this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen.